0: Hello, it's telling me that we're live um I'm glad you're joining me. This is Easter Friday. I don't know uh if there's a traditional greeting you say on traditional Friday on Good Friday, but uh I appreciate you signing in and watching this uh I'm actually doing a let's call it an Easter sermon uh tomorrow uh I thought you know, what what are two things that Easter is all about, and one of those things is, of course, Easter eggs. And the other is the crucifixion. So I thought I would bring those two together by looking at the movie Alien. Because in Alien, you have the Easter eggs, well, eggs anyway, you know, the face huggers come out of those things. Um, and then uh, with the crucifixion, obviously, it's very connected to, to Easter. And I want to kind of Bring those two together to explore what they have in common and what the alien films can tell us about theology, about death and salvation. So that's tomorrow for any of you who are signed up to my um, pyro seminars via my Patreon website. But don't worry, if you're not signed up or you're not interested, you still get this. Um, And so I just thought I'd click in because I had an interesting conversation with a friend tonight. And it reminded me of something, um, I think a common misperception that people have. And uh, basically what I was talking about was, uh, we were talking about depression and melancholy. Because I'm actually uh, writing a book at the moment. I've been writing it for a while. um, But it's been hard for me to get time to really dedicate to it. But thankfully this morning I found the motivation. I started writing again. And I was writing about Schopenhauer's Pendulum. Now, Schopenhauer's pendulum is basically where he describes life as a pendulum swing between pain and boredom. So a very cheery fellow uh, with Schopenhauer. Uh, Now, now one way of understanding this uh, is actually saying that Schopenhauer was dimly perceiving something that became clearer in the 20th century with people like Freud, Where, you know, from a psychoanalytic perspective, we swing between depression and melancholy. So depression, similar to pain, and melancholy to boredom. Now, I've defined those terms in previous videos, so I'm not going to say too much about them. Um, If you're interested, you can go back and look at the video uh, where I talk about uh, the difference between, you know, want and need. And there's also a video on melancholy. So you can just go onto my YouTube and you'll find them. Uh, But I will define them very briefly here. Uh, Depression can be described as the experience of desiring something that you don't get. Right, So you want something, but you can't get it. You you love a person, but you, they're utterly inaccessible. You want a certain career, but it's impossible. You want a certain education, but it's not available to you. Uh, and then melancholy can be described as getting what you desire, but no longer desiring it. So it's when you get the person you want to go out with or when you get that education or when you get the money that you really desired. So, you get what you desire, but when in getting it, you no longer really desire it, and you just have this experience of boredom. So, depression is the pain of not getting what we would like, and melancholy is the boredom of getting what we'd like. So, for Schopenhauer, there is this terrible, inevitable pendulum swing between the two. And if you think of that 1961 movie, The Pit and the Pendulum, then you can imagine that this pendulum is is like a sharpened weapon, just getting closer and closer and closer until it destroys us. So it's a it's quite a powerful and a, a depressing view of life. Um, now I'm writing a book on you know how do we deal with this pendulum swing, uh, theologically speaking, um, um, politically speaking, economically speaking, and, you know, exploring what it, might, what it might mean to live a life that is freed from the suffering of this, of this swing. Now, I'm not going to talk about that tonight, but one of the things that came up this evening was my friend said, "Ah, you know, all this depression talk, um, that's for deep people. Uh, I am a simple soul, and my friends are simple souls. We don't really think much about this kind of stuff, and, you know, we don't really get depressed. You know, that's, 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 that's not what I do, and that's not what my friends do. So when, when she said this to me, I realized that, ah, she is thinking that depression is something subjective, right? You know, someone feels depressed. And if you don't feel depressed, then obviously you're not depressed. And this is a very common misunderstanding. And basically what I thought I'd do is come on and talk about how depression is more often than not objective, not subjective. Right? This is a Kierkegaardian insight that was then later taken up by other thinkers and developed substantially. But it's the idea that actually depression is not often something you feel. And it sounds really bizarre when you say that at first because people think, well, of course, you know if you're depressed. you know you, Because depression is, by definition, something you feel psychologically. But for someone like Kierkegaard, no, no, no. Um, depression is objective in the sense that it's something that you can be depressed and not even know it, right? Uh, it's the, he calls it the spare of not knowing you're in despair. And so from a psychoanalytic perspective uh, depression is often objective because it's the very thing that you have pushed out of your consciousness that one of the the poor things about depression is you push out negative feelings you push out negative thoughts you push them down right you get them out of your subjectivity as an out of your consciousness out of your ego um, and get on with life and In doing that, they cease being subjective, but they become objective. And by objective, I mean they become determined. And by determinate, I mean there's something you can measure, something you can taste, you can see, you can look at, you can touch. right? And in that, I mean that your depression becomes something physical, like a migraine, or a bad back, or outbursts of anger, or outbursts of tears that you don't even feel like you want to cry. It, it catches you off guard. You know, you don't subjectively feel sad, but you find yourself just crying uncontrollably in the car. So whatever it is, that, that actually the depression is, is, is speaking in a measurable way in, in objective terms, um, but is not experienced in, in any subjective way. And of course, the irony is that when you're able to bring your depression or your melancholy uh, into subjectivity, which means bring it into your consciousness, become aware of it, that is sometimes a way of overcoming it. Or at the very least, that's the first step in overcoming it. So ironically. When you feel subjectively depressed or you feel subjectively melancholy, you bring that to your consciousness and you sit with it. Um, that is itself a healing thing to do. Um, as I said, it doesn't work 100%. Uh, very often we have to do more work. We have to talk it through, et cetera, et cetera, But sometimes just being able to talk about the things that we're trying not to talk about, bringing those things to the surface is enough to find freedom from them. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of like the, the dialectic of depression is that in order to know if we're depressed, and I'm not saying that, for example, my friend was depressed, I have no idea, but in order for us to know whether we are in a difficult place, it's not enough for us to think about how do we feel. Uh, we have to look at, Our symptoms, our actions, the things that you can actually measure, the things you can actually see. Are there things in your life which betray either deep pain, one side of the pendulum swing, or deep boredom, which is the other side of the pendulum swing? Are you either suffering because you feel you haven't got what you wanted out of life, or are you bored? Beyond belief, because in a sense you got what you wanted, and um, it it's it's not satisfying, um, and we don't always know whether those things are are things that we feel or those things are things that are real. Um, so, anyway, there you go. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of escaping this. Um, the book that I'm writing you know, is trying to explore how uh, we should try to avoid escaping um, this, uh, this, this, di- this dichotomy and this, this, this difficulty between these two perspectives, but actually um, accept it and actually enjoy it and find a way of turning our dissatisfactions into something satisfying and good. So that's the topic for uh, future uh, videos and also for my next book on The Absurd. Uh, I'm going to just check to see if any of you have written any comments before I leave you and start, um, uh, what's the word, uh, looking at my, my sermon for tomorrow. I call it a sermon because it's Easter. Um, but yeah, let's see. Oh, Lots of people saying hello from various places in the world, Um, but no questions that I can see. Uh, Oh, yeah, Robin asks other books uh, in between we could read about depression. Um, There's a great book uh, called Why Do I Do That? Um, It might be called Why Do We Do That or Why Do I Do That? And it's a guy, a doctor, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, but he Looks at the different defense mechanisms that we use as human beings to protect us from encountering our own suffering, and he kind of lists them all very clearly and very in a very readable way and I thought it was a great book because it 's useful um, for individuals but it 's also useful whenever you 're thinking about how organizations and political groups and countries defend themselves against unpleasant truths but um uh, I thought it was a very nicely written, very helpful book, and then a more technical book on the subject. Um, there's a oh, there's a wonderful book by Darian Leader. who I think's a great writer, and he he wrote a book called The New Black, which again looks at depression, and um, it's a it's a really good book. Anything by Darian Leader is is very good. He's like um, he's like an Adam Phillips type of writer. Adam Phillips is also brilliant. Um, if you look at what he's written, um, you know he covers these subjects with a deep insight and sensitivity. So Adam Phillips and Darian Leader, I think, are incredibly readable. So there's a couple of a couple of options. All right. Well, I will um, hopefully see some of you tomorrow. And uh, other than that, I'll probably click in do another Facebook Live in a couple of days. I hope you have a good Easter, and um, and. I will uh, hopefully uh, meet some of you in my travels in the next few months. I'm going to be in a lot of places doing stuff in Ireland, in L.A., in Philadelphia, Colorado Springs, uh, Santa Barbara, and a few other places. If you want to see if I'm close to you, just go on my website and under events, you'll see where I'm speaking. And if I'm not speaking near you, you can always invite me. Uh, all right. Take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.